Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. We knew or we hoped at least that he would get to this point. And now we're, we know where we're at as a staff with where we're at with Andy. Again, being able to go out there and see where the entire offense is at um, collectively with the wide receivers, the tight ends, the O-line against the Rams with that plan. But also knowing, okay, here's what Justin did. Right, and we we had to see that we had to know that, and now we move forward with with what we talked about. But at the same point in time, feeling really good about where we're at with our with our quarterbacks. Welcome back into ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning. It's Hanley, it's Xander taking your phone calls about the Bears. I heard what Matt said. What did he really try to get at there, Brian? Well, he feels good about where they're at and their plan and all that. Um, and again, everyone, you can you can throw out preseason numbers. You can say it doesn't matter. You can say the starters didn't really play, but a handful of snaps and some of them not even that in the three preseason games. But here's what Justin Fields did: seventeen drives, thirty for forty-nine, two hundred and seventy-six yards, two scores on his own, ninety-two yards rushing, one touchdown, and, and a handful of wild plays. Right? Yep. Here's Andy Dalton. 13 of 21, 164 yards, one TD, one interception, and no wild plays. Um, Nick Foles had more wild plays yesterday than Andy Dalton did. He, hey, look, look, Nick did look solid. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier today, you know, that that may be the uh, performance he needed to move on from him and to get something back. Somebody's going to need him at some point. So yeah, the, who's the it question be? is how long do, do you hang get? on? Hey, how, how long do you hang on and pay him until a team says, Oh boy, we we're desperate for a quarterback. They haven't gotten there yet. Now look, you know, we have cut down day coming on Tuesday, I believe. So there'll be a lot of movement and, you know, again, a, more likely a team that has a quarterback go down before they pick up the phone and, and give the bears yeah. a, a conditional six round pick for Nick Foles, but it's something, it's something tangible. But, you know, one thing that we've learned is Ryan Pace, I keep going back, this this was a Matt Nagy production, getting Justin Fields. Ryan Pace finally, in, you know, admit at least internally, I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know quarterbacks. So Matt was allowed to drive the train on the Justin Fields selection, and I'm all for it, and I celebrate it. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. I know what the red rifle looks like. I mean, I know, know what we he did. We don't really, right. I know what he did in Dallas, Mark. I mean, he was making $2 million as a backup. Now it's $10 million. Who was not promised That's a hell to be of a the raise, starter? Brian. Yeah, yeah, everyone should be so lucky. <laughs> but then Matt Nagy said, "Well, we didn't promise him he was a starter. We just told him he's a starter." I don't know. You know Whatever and, that means. That's yeah, it, help me out on that Mr. one. Nagy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to uh, Al on the north side now. Al, you have a bear, Bears prediction here on ESPN One Thousand. But bef- after you give us the prediction, tell us why you come up with that prediction. I'd be happy to. Okay. Um, thanks for the time. Yeah. Um, so I called uh, your station and the other sports station the last few years once each. I made the prediction. I was correct. Eight and eight. I said right before the season started. This year, I'm saying eight and nine or seven and ten. I'm not going to be so specific because it's a little longer season. It's a little harder to judge. But um, I have a bunch of reasons if you have the time. Yeah, yeah. You boil them down as much as you can for us. Well, the first reason is, well, I would say that the talent in the NFL is pretty equal, except in a few positions, and those are the teams that are better. So the Bears, they they don't have the talent today to compete 
with the elite teams. Uh, I like Fields. I think he could be good. Um, the coaching is the second thing that distinguishes average teams from good teams. Uh, we have a coach who's a really nice guy. I think he knows mm-hmm. football. But yeah. uh, the problem with Nagy is his decision-making and his uh, uh, use of personnel. So that's the second thing that is a problem. The old line, as everybody knows, is a, is a question mark. Um, that, that's going to affect them one way or the other. The other thing that people aren't talking about that is really important is the defense. This is not the defense we had in 85 or, eight, or whenever the last 18 or 16, whenever it was. This defense, outside the defensive line and Roquan Smith, is very average. Um, you have unproven un, uh, people in the secondary, and I haven't seen anything last year or this year that shows me that they're going to be outstanding. I think that the defensive line is super-duper, that maybe they'll be very good, but if they're not, they got some problems. Um, the other thing is their schedule. Their schedule is very tough. Amen. If they're schedule, yeah. maybe they could do better. Amen. Uh, but, yeah. Um, and then injuries, which every team has. But I don't think the Bears have the depth. When you're talking about Rodney Adams for depth, um, I, I'm not so sure that that is a depth. Uh, they don't have those secondary players even in the running back situation where the Packers and other teams have come up with players that are bruisers, that are tough. You know, we've got one proven really good running back. And if he gets hurt, what happens? Um, well, thank you, Al. Yeah, you know what? You've got a lot of great points, Al, joining us from the north side. A lot of great points, uh, and, and the schedule being one of them. That's something yeah. that, I, I mean, we all know, but that is always going to dictate – how you're going to end up doing because if you have a soft schedule it's going to look a little better and maybe not get you ready for the playoffs if you're lucky enough to make the playoffs this year we've got a tough schedule and we're going to get tested right out of the gate brian arguably it might be uh, the toughest schedule in the league and, and tyler and i talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had a quarter poll basically the, going back to al says seven wins or eight wins he wouldn't say you know land on one even though vegas is seven and a half and you would have to land on one if you're putting a dollar down <laughs> right you'd have, you either go under or you go yeah, it was a little soft, a little noncommittal on that. Right. But, you I know, mean, he's but, in the area. He's but, in the but I mean, if you if you know, you have to make a decision. Are they an eight yep. win team or better, or seven win team or fewer? And and we had you know what if they were came up under seven and a half. The question I'm paraphrasing, uh, you know, would have been the coaching issue, would have been the defense, the offense, the coaches, the schedule. And Tyler said it. He said the schedule answers were not getting enough love, and I actually voted for the schedule. That that is a very important thing that really no one is talking about. Al's right. Um, even if everything falls into place, there's no guarantee that you're going to be a playoff team. You know, last year you were uh, you backdoored the the playoffs because of the COVID created last spot, right? And and you couldn't even win it. You, you you won by default, and you got nine points in that game. But this is a very difficult schedule. So. Um, you know, that's just one more thing to, to have to overcome. To, to be concerned about. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Phil in Northwest Indiana uh, has a uh, has an opinion about our, our number one quarterback wearing the number one on his jersey. Hey, Phil, uh, welcome to ESPN. Yeah, I was just talking about um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Justin Field, Patrick Mahomes comparison. Okay. Patrick Mahomes sat the first year. He didn't play. He sat behind Alex Smith, and he turned out just fine. 
If they sit Justin Fields for a year, I have no problems with that. Well, Smith uh, Smith was uh, had a yeah, yeah Smith had a great Al year Smith. though. He had a career year. Yeah. So if you have playoff visions, you know it's great. Alex Smith was going to get the Kansas City Chiefs to the playoffs the way he was playing. Can you Andy Dalton? Does he just need to be serviceable? Does he have to be playing out of his mind? Does he have to have a career year to get this offense? And, and, and you know, if the defense isn't as advertised or perceived, you know, again, one player in the top 100 voted by NFL players, and that's Khalil Mack. Even though you're paying Quinn a, a ransom, you know, 30 million a year, whatever it is, Akeem Hicks wants to be paid, and and a lot of people say when he's not in there, the defense really looks like a different unit. Um, this Andy Dalton, if he has a great year this year, won't have that Alex Smith year, right, Mark? I mean, I just I don't see it in the cards. No, so. oh my God, would that that be a great problem to have? Sure, absolutely. But but I yeah, the chances of that are pretty pretty slim, and that's really the comparison there. It is that it's not really a comparison. If we have that issue, well, then we'll see where we go from there. It would be a luxury to be able to sit Justin Fields. I just don't think we have that luxury. That's the issue, and we're going to get to uh, back to taking your calls about the Bears. Eleven thirty-five. We'll have Jesse Rogers coming up. No doubt, uh, talk about last night's game, Crosstown Classic, the uh, the shutout the Cubs provided to the White Sox. On the south side, we'll be talking to Jesse and what to expect for game number three. By the way, this is your home for the uh, Chicago White Sox, and we'll have the pregame right after our show. We're here until 1230. It's Hanley, it's Xander. This is ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome back in. It's Hanley. It's Xander. It's ESPN 1000 talking to you about Justin Fields and the Bears. Crosstown Classic. We've got a couple polls up on the ESPN 1000 on Twitter. That's ESPN 1000. On Twitter and uh, the the football poll we have up, do you want Andy Dalton to fail so Justin Fields can start sooner? Yes or no? Simple as that. We're going to wrap these up before we get out of here at 1230. And then as far as the uh, baseball poll, if the playoffs started today, how far do you go? Do you believe the White Sox would go? Three choices, Brian. World Series, World Series ALCS, or an early out. Uh, a lot of action on that one too. Again, at ESPN one thousand on Twitter three one two three three two three seven six and the uh, the rock poll with the uh, Rolling Stones losing Charlie Watts asking you what the greatest decade is sixties seventies eighties or nineties and beyond. No shot that nineties or beyond rates any more than the bottom. That's what I'm saying, Brian. Although both of us saw. The Stones in 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we saw them play all the old stuff. But, yeah, yeah, you know, I will say Voodoo Lounge was a solid album in the mid-90s. But, again, I mean, the iconic stuff happened in the 60s and the 70s and into the early 80s as far as I'm concerned. 312-332-3776. You know, are we at the point where we're rooting for Dalton to fail so we can see Justin Fields? You know, does Dalton come in and just wow us? Maybe not a Alex Smith year, but all of a sudden 
we say, hey, you know what? We're looking okay. We could sit Justin Fields. Is that going to make a difference in your outlook? If well, Dalton really looks good, are you going to just kind of back off and say, yeah, we can hey, wait to see this kid? If Dalton is, is looking good and doing everything that they expect him to do and running an efficient offense, I'm good sitting Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the schedule, as our caller pointed out, it may not matter how good the quarterback play is given that schedule. You might have the same record, whether Andy Dalton is failing or or doing just fine, thanks, right? Because yeah. you're looking at, obviously, at the Rams, and then Cincinnati, at Cleveland, uh, Detroit, at Soldier Field, and then at Las Vegas, and then you get the Packers at home. So I guess the bigger question is, the bigger picture is, we saw Mike Glennon get yanked at, at, for Mitch Trubisky after four games, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mike kept saying, you know, it's, this is my year and all that. And it turned out to be his four weeks. Um, Matt Nagy has said in different ways and shapes and forms this week, we'll all know when Justin Fields is ready. You know, we'll, we'll all see that. I think some of us believe that's already we've seen. Well, and that. see, that's the thing. Again, going back to what is Matt's trigger, because a lot of right. us see what we see, and it's like the time is now. But right. that we're, we're obviously not on the same page. So you could have a losing record after those first six games, no matter if it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, just because mm-hmm. of the caliber of, of the opposing teams. Yep. The bigger question is, Matt Nagy is right when he says, uh, we'll all know when Justin Fields, who, who the better quarterback is. Um, the players know already, okay? I mean, and they will know in earnest when regular season games start. And if they still see Justin Fields running the scout squad and, and lighten up the defense, the starting defense, and Andy Dalton doing whatever Andy Dalton does these days, you can't fool the players in that locker room, Mark. So at whatever point you need to salvage a season, even if you play very well and you just, because the, the schedule is so tough, you might be a gamer two hundred five hundred early on. At that point, at the season's, the season's on, on the brink, if you will. If you, you know, it's a kind of a, a, an intersection of we either – hit the gas and can become a winning team or not, the players will know which quarterback gives them the best chance to win each week. And if you're still sitting Justin Fields just because that was the plan, you have a chance of losing a veteran defense at the least, right? You have a chance of no doubt, yeah. discouraging players who come in and bring in it every day. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We know we have a, a much better quarterback in our, our locker room. He's just not on the field. Brian, and that's why I've had a problem with uh, Nagy being so like, we told Andy, we told Andy. Right. I have such a problem with that because he's painted him in a corner and hopefully he has sense enough not to let that limit his common sense and to do the right thing. And and we've been, we've been told that that would be the case. He might end up eating the words and, and that's fine by me. And I hope he doesn't mind. Scott in Highland Park wants to jump on here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I love the show. Good. Thanks. So, so listen, I heard Bears fan season ticket holder in my family since Wrigley Field. I want to preface what I'm saying by saying this. I don't have a lot of confidence in Matt Nagy, but if you're rooting against Andy Dalton or booing him like fans did at, at the Buffalo game, you're not a true Bear fan. You want the Bears to win. When Justin Fields I want Justin Fields to play as bad as anybody, but not at the expense of the Bears doing poorly. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. 
No, you got a great point, Scott. I did not like to hear the booing. That was just uh, that. Yeah, they weren't but, booing him because he was on the field. They're booing him because he's going three and out every time. Yes, that's correct, Tyler. Well, <laughs> if he, if he had been marching the team down the field, they well, and that's booing. true, and that's true, and that's true, and that's true. But um, yeah, it's still it still was tough because I mean he. Yeah, yeah, according to our coach, he's our starter, and we just want to see Justin, and that's going to be the reality. It still was kind of uncomfortable watching that, but I get it. I get the emotions of uh, the fans. I mean, that's that's why we're here. That's why we follow this team. We I, wanted I to see it home. go well. I was at yeah. home chanting, we want Justin, we want <laughs> okay. Justin. All right, we... so you weren't booing. You just wrote a song. No. I was joining yeah. the chorus at Soldier Field to the neighbors said, hey, shut up. <laughs> Turn it down, Justin. <laughs> Pat on the south side wants to jump in here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Pat. Hey, what's up, fellas? Um, hey. You know, I'm just as uh, optimistic Bears fan as everyone else at the beginning of the season. But from watching this preseason, I don't think the quarterback's going to matter if Nagy's calling these plays. Then there's I that, think. right? Yeah. yeah. I just see the same uh-huh. thing that I've seen the last three years, and it's it's just frustrating. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, that's an interesting point because some people still believe, even though that uh, George and Ted never said it was a win or else season coming into this season, right? They wouldn't articulate it, oh. it's not a prove it season for the GM or the head coach. And then when you go get the franchise quarterback to be, you think that it's probably not. But I keep seeing and reading and hearing that if they don't win this year, then Pace and Nagy are out or Nagy's out. I mean, do you believe that, Mark? I mean, I, I think this, this hey, season. Hey, Brian, do I want to believe it? I, I know you want to believe it. it. I want right. to believe it. Just like I want to believe in Santa Claus. But, right. <laughs> you know, the, the point is the reality. What is the reality? And in the, in the fact that they would not step up and say that, you know, is that just, uh, is, is, is it ignorance is bliss? Or are they just trying to put up a, you know, a very uh, supportive face? While they so, have a plan in the background. So if know. Justin Fields isn't on the field, you can't develop him. I mean, you develop him in practice, but we don't get to really see. No, that's that not real development. Right, no. right, right. Right. So, but I mean, so why would Matt Nagy lose his job if the Bears have a, you know, again, Vegas, seven and a half wins, um, no matter. That's yeah, a great I guess, point, Brian. Yeah, so they I, may I, have a, a guaranteed future for at least yeah, another season. At least season. a year. Until he's yeah. on the field, I, I you're going you're gonna to launch Matt Nagy. And and say okay, someone else comes in and develops uh, Justin Fields. By the way, if you did, there'd be a lot of coaching talent that would love to to be part of Justin Fields as their quarterback of the future. Oh, right? I, I think I think you'd have them lining up. Yeah, uh, Scott on the south side. Scott, welcome into yeah, hey ESPN with us. Um, hey. Love the show. Just wanted to call and say I'm going to be rooting for Andy Dalton, and it really doesn't have much to do with Andy Dalton. Um, I think if Andy Dalton does well, even if the team's not winning, it kind of gives Nagy a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt where yep. a lot of people have been worried about his offense being you know, a big issue. But I think if Andy Dalton comes in and plays well, it, uh, I think it kind of removes a little bit of that concern about the offense in general. Well, Absolutely. look, we, we just want the Bears to win. In the end, if the Bears are winning, that fixes everything, no matter who is quarterback. If the Bears are winning, but it's, it's going to be a tough climb especially with that schedule. Uh, before we hit the break and get to Jesse Rogers and uh, start talking about baseball again, we've got Dre on the south side. Hey, Dre, welcome to ESPN 1000. 
Yeah, guys, I just wanted to say before you go, you know what, look, I'm about tired of this Matt Nagy experience. Isn't it clearly clear that he is not a good coach? He came here to fix the offense. That's been the number one problem we've been having with this guy from number one. And the thing that just really burns my chap is that every time they ask him a question, you never get a simple answer from this guy. All the words shattered and the dancing around, it's like everybody is just ignoring the fact that this guy is talking to us like everybody is some type of idiot, and he don't have to answer your questions. It's maddening. Uh, you know, it Dre. is maddening at times, Dre. I I get it. I I they, you know I, I just yearn for the day where he just gets right to the point, and sometimes he does that. But then you compare him with a uh, Belichick, right? I was going to say we're on to Cincinnati. Well, I'm not answering that question. We're on to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, Mark, I will say this, and, and having been around uh, Nagy and, and Bourbon A, he is like our caller said. Wonderful, one, you know, a lot of a caller, a few callers go. Wonderful guy. I mean, you would love to have him as a neighbor, as a friend. Um, you know, he is got. We were doing a live broadcast down there, and it was weather related. We we dropped our signal three times while we had him uh, under the tent up on our stage. And the first one, most head coaches would have given you. The second and third one, they would have been up and gone because they're yeah. they're too busy. No, he look. He's he a there. nice guy. He, yeah, he is a wonderful guy. But I'm with you. He had to give up play calling, said he wouldn't do it, gave it up, and now he's got it back for right. whatever reason. Um, well, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, we're going to get to Jesse Rogers and uh, start talking about the Crosstown Classic. What we could expect for Game 3 and what Jesse thought about what happened on the south side yesterday. This is ESPN 1000. It's Hanley and Xander. We'll be right back. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. On your home for the Chicago White Sox, ESPN 1000. We've got the game today starting pitch at 110, pregame at 1230 after our show here. It's uh, Brian Hanley, Mark Zander, and we get Jesse Rogers joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Hey, Jess, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. Watching both teams warm up here for the uh, series finale. It's, it's another hot one as uh, the clouds have kind of dissipated. So it's going to be another tough one for the pitchers. Um, the hitters, they don't mind it. And certainly Patrick Wisdom doesn't mind it. He likes sitting in, the, in these conditions, I think. Right. No kidding. Him and Abreu, but Patrick Wisdom has really uh, won the uh, weekend so far. Yeah, he really has. I actually just asked David Ross a few moments ago the, the, the big question, the, the million-dollar question, is this sustainable – as you move into next year and his age 31 season, right? I mean, this is a late bloomer. If he won the uh, rookie of the year, he'd be the third oldest in the national league to do so. So it tells you how rare guys at 30 years old come up here and do what he's doing. And David Ross said, look, if this was a couple weeks, like the first time around when he went on that huge home run stretch, if you had asked David Ross in that moment, if it was sustainable, I'm not sure he would have had a good answer, but now we have a length of time here where he's gone off, he has struggled, adjusted, and now gone off again. And that's where David Ross says, yes, he points to that and says, yes, it is sustainable because I'm seeing adjustments and, and the ebbs and flows of a season, and he's still coming out on top, let alone he has shocked everybody with his defense. I mean, that was quite the game just yesterday on both sides of the ball. So it um, does sound like they, they have a third baseman for next year. When does age catch up with a 30-year-old that hasn't played that much? Beats me. I don't know. But maybe this is a late bloomer that could have a, a decent few years here as, a, as, a, as the Cubs' third baseman. You know, it's interesting to hear David Ross say that because uh, it sounded like what Tony La Russa said about Yerman Mercedes, the Yerminator, 
when he, had, he came on as gangbusters in the first week or two, and he said, basically, Tony Russo said, well, we'll see. Like, basically, I've been around this game long enough to know that, that it's not usually sustainable for guys who've toiled in the minors forever and get up here. So I, you, know, you applaud Patrick Wisdom for taking advantage. But, um, you know, three years from now, if the Cubs are ready to compete, I hope he's still part of it and still hitting the ball a country mile. But, you know, like Tony Larusa, this game, I think, Jesse, we've all seen guys come up and give you a, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe even a year. It, it, but if they've been in the minors, minors that long, it's, it's usually for because the, um, you know, no one identified them as a, as a keeper moving forward. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you're so right, Brian. And, and, and you don't want to, you know, sort of be negative about no. the guy because he's having a great run. But you do have to watch with a skeptical eye. You I have to be to realistic, Mos- yeah. Yeah, I talked to John Mosaliak with the Cardinals, the, the president there, and that's the team that let him go. And he said, look, we knew he had power. It just wasn't consistent and sustainable. It just there's so much swing and miss that eventually they moved on. Now, Patrick Wisdom will say he probably never got the best shot with the Cardinals, and he might be right because he certainly is getting that opportunity. But, you know, with Mercedes, I, I think Mercedes was even – more set up to to, to 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 sustain things because he actually was a good two-strike hitter, a good bad ball mm. hitter. Like, he had the skill set to sustain even some slumps because I think he, he would, you know, get a few hits here and there when even when he was slumping because he was a good two-strike hitter. That didn't happen. So um, I'm not sure Wisdom has all, this, all these ancillary skill sets so far, but if he hits 30 home runs and, you know, it's 240, 250, you, you'll take that in this day and age. So – yeah, it all remains to be seen, but um, he is setting himself up for for a, you know at least a real starting third base job going into next season. That's the most we can say right now. Yeah, Jesse, uh, the lineups are out, and we see Tim Anderson is getting a day off, and we're getting word that, and and you could probably, you know, fill us in on this, but it's it's a scheduled day off, but it's also due to some maybe some soreness. Yeah, I mean, remember he's missed a few games because of, uh, of like soreness, so. I'm sure day game after night game is probably going to be off anyway, but mm. add in the fact that he, that this is kind of lingering for him, it was an easy decision for Tony LaRusso. And um, I've stated, I've, I mentioned the stat before. I think they're now 12 and 11 when he doesn't start. So it's a, a 500 team when he's not in the lineup. And, and but I also think this goes towards the, the time of year that we're in, the 10 game lead. And I, you know, I've heard from Sox fans a little nervous or Cub fans trashing them. Hey, they're only 21 and 21 since the All Star break. I think you have to take that all with a grain of salt. They're a team that's 20 games over 500 with a 10-game lead. They're going to take their, 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 their they're going to let off the pedal a little bit, right? Right. They're going right. to give. Get, Rodon's going to get his time on the IL. Tim Anderson's going to get more time off. I think all these guys, if October was next week, to be full steam ahead. So they're going to manage manage it um, the, the right way. I think with a 10-game lead this far out, come the last couple weeks of September, you want them firing on all cylinders. So. I wouldn't worry too much about a 500 record since the All-Star break. I'd, more, I'd be more worried about his legs if they don't heal, and that's why he's sitting out again. So, right. Jesse, one of our Twitter poll questions is, if the playoffs start today, how far do you believe the White Sox would go? World Series, ALCS, early out. And this comes on the heels of Rick Hahn saying that after a few of the Dreams games, telling uh, you guys that uh, Tony had a meeting and basically said this next stretch here is – no days off is basically kind of a, a simulated uh, playoff run, right? You have to have your focus. You have to bring it every day. And they're four and six in their last 10. And different guys and different groups have had their hiccups, right? The bullpen, the starters. I mean, I, one thing Dallas Keuchel, the struggle, but, you know, bring in 
uh, Lance Lynn, and that happens last night. Where, where are you on this group in terms of, you know, where they are now and where they need to be once the postseason starts? Yeah, all very good points and questions, Brian. Um, let's go back to that 14-game stretch when they went 7-7. Seven and seven. It's actually tougher than the playoffs. In the playoffs, you get days off. I mean, best of five, yeah. you get two days off. So it's actually mm. tougher. All plus 500 teams, half of them on the road, and they went 7-7. Seven and seven. I love what Tony did in gathering them up and saying, let's sort of mimic a playoff situation here. Playoff intensity, the opponent is automatically playoff caliber because they're all plus 500. And I like that he did that. And actually, he mentioned this today on the Zoom, that they put so much focus and energy on those 14 games that I think you're seeing some of uh, the remnants of it. You know, they went so hard. I actually thought they'd have a letdown Friday. After the 7-7 seven and seven run, I thought, and they almost did. It was 6 nothing after one, yeah. and then, of course, they're back. So maybe yesterday was kind of a letdown. At some point, when you go hard for two weeks, the air's going to come out of that balloon, and maybe that was yesterday. But I was fascinated by that whole dry run thing, I, and I know you're going to make fun of me. I used to do this with my son's Little League team. When we had a really good team, but finally had like a week of tough games, the, maybe the only week of the season, I'd say, let's play this like it's the playoffs. I'm going to make decisions that are like the playoffs, just even mm. little, just to teach them about the intensity of it all. And I, I, I think Tony, I thought, I thought that was a good, good thing by him. So back to your original question here, long-winded. I, I am not going to answer your question how far they can go because I truly don't know. I think you guys would agree. They could be out in the first round or they could win the World Series. Now, I know you could say that about any team, but I feel like this team fits that sort of description perfectly. It's good. It's solid. But it was, you know, uh, played in a bad division most of the season, right? Their mm-hmm. record um, mostly against uh, good teams is average, but against the bad teams, it's great. We could go back and forth, but their starting rotation is second in ERA in the league, and that's really, really important. Yes, there are hiccups. against right hand, great right-handed pitching. I'm not sure if their lineup is, is ready. We'll see. Uh, the bullpen is had hiccups. Kopech, Kimbrell, and Hendricks. But this is August. Let's fast-forward October with Tony's experience. And the intensity raised, I don't know. They could go all the way or they could be out in the first round. I truly believe that about this team. So Alec Mills last night, I, you know, was that, uh, was that a great performance or was it more of uh, a White Sox team that just could not get it together? They had that letdown, as you just said. Well, they went from 17 runs to zero uh, against, uh, you know, <laughs> Right. Mills. No, I, I think it was mostly Alec Mills related. We've seen Alec Mills with these kind of performances. We just don't see it every five days out of him. If he right. ever could you know, bottle it, he'd be a really good starting pitcher. Um, David Ross said, and, and I, I think some of the Sox players echoed it, they kind of knew early this guy was on. He was just going to keep you off balance from, from the first pitch on, and he did that. I don't know why he can do it yesterday and he can't do it five days from now, and I'm not – um, you know, if he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but he was on his game. And, and again, you, he certainly was, yeah. you come back from that road trip. Maybe there was a combination of being due for sort of a letdown and, and then Mills pitching as well as he did. Okay. So yesterday you, you told Mr. Zander that there's a chance Wilson Contreras is not back with the Cubs and it stopped me cold yesterday. And for people who are just hearing it now, can you please explain and, and what is the rationale behind this? Yeah, I mean, it's just a feeling I'm getting. It's one year left. It's it's investing in a in a in a catcher. It's gonna take. It's gonna cost a lot into his 30s um, before maybe they're ready to win. Although hopefully it's not too long. I don't know. I just don't know if it's gonna sync up. That's the feeling I'm getting 
around Wilson Contreras. Remember, he's been on the trade block before. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So if he was on the trade block when they were good and contending, what's to stop them from you know sort of moving on and, and re- recycling that position as well as he approaches mm-hmm. 30 years old? Um, I'm not saying it's a fait accompli, but I think it's a, I think it's a real possibility. I do. Um, I, you know, maybe you could say the same thing about Kyle Hendricks, but I think starting pitching is so much harder to find that that he might. You know, you need someone to kind of be the leader of that group. So I think he sticks around uh, more so than Wilson. Uh, and and again, he's going to get a, a ton um, on the open market based on being basically the second or third best catcher in the league. So. That's my feeling that just the, the things are going to line up that he might might be traded uh, this winter. Well, they've already gotten rid of some big names. And, and at this point, I, I don't know if it would be, you know, as impactful as what happened this summer. So I guess I guess if you're going to rebuild, you're going to rebuild. But hey, then is it really called a rebuild? If you're if you're on the season ticket waiting list, get ready because you're going to get a call in the offseason. You're going to be there are going to be plenty of tickets opening up if you've been waiting for a while. <laughs> Yeah, and then, no, no doubt. I'm, I'm one of those. You heard me yesterday. I'm sure Brian said I don't believe the place is packed no matter what anymore. No, those days nope. are over. Not with nope. these ticket prices. Not yep. with the expectations changed. You I see mean, the no and, shows already. And and, and 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 no stars, no star yep. players. More than anything, Cubs. The Cubs have always had some star players to draw. Mark Grace, Andre Dawson. You know, every every. I mean, every team that should have at least one, right? But right. they certainly needed them to draw when they were bad, and now they're bad and don't have a star. Forget about it. So I think they hit the free agent market. I really do. Um, I, I, what I say this to you, Xander, yesterday, shortstop is, is, the, is the litmus test to me. If they yep. ignore all those free agent shortstops, then Jed and Tom aren't serious about moving this thing along quickly. You, You're absolutely right. Time, That's going to be an indication, yeah. Yeah, there's a rare time where you have generational shortstops available, multiple of them, even, even though uh, uh, Crawford just signed. If you ignore that, then – I don't know what you're going to feel next year. You know, Patrick Wisdom and Rafael Ortega, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does that give you a lot of hope, Brian? Uh, sure, why not? It's Sunday and I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> yeah, sign me up for those season tickets. Yeah. Give me a call. Yeah, Jesse, thanks for joining us from Guaranteed Raid Field today. Uh, what are you looking out of? Uh, what are you looking for out of the two starters, Hendricks and Cease? Well, I mean, Cease has been on a roll. Uh, there's no reason he can't get the double-digit strikeouts again against this Cubs lineup. No reason. I loved what he did in Toronto. It may have been his best start when you consider the mm-hmm. competition. Third in the, league in, yeah, third in the league in strikeouts, at least he was yesterday, and I looked today. Um, so I, I, I don't see why coming off a loss, he doesn't perform really, really well. Now, Hendricks is going to perform well. He has over the last 14 starts or so, but he can give up that long ball. My guess, the White Sox low-scoring win, a couple long balls their way, but that's just my guess. Remember, they're 12 and 11 without Tim Anderson in the lineup, so that's something to keep an eye on if that White Sox offense stalls again. All right, thank you, Jesse Rogers from Guaranteed Rate Field. Today, the game gets underway at 110 at Cease and Hendricks and Game 3 on the south side of the Crosstown Classic. This is ESPN 1000. Of course, you can hear the game uh, starting with the pregame at 1230 following Brian Hanley and myself. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls on uh, what you're feeling about the White Sox. Are you worried? We've got those polls going on on Twitter. We're going to wrap those up in the last uh, section of our show here between 1215 and 1230. It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. 
Welcome back in. It's Hanley at Xander. We've got the White Sox today at 110 on your home for the Chicago White Sox. ESPN 1000. You can find us on the app, the easiest app ever to use. And certainly we're in crystal clear HD radio at 100.3 FM HD 2. Now, we've got the uh, White Sox lineup. We talked about Anderson not being in, Brian. We've got uh, Hernandez uh, in the number one slot. He's playing second base. He's a switch hitter, of course. Lou Bob, as uh, Zetterman likes to call him. He's in uh, center field, <laughs> batting second. We got Jose in the uh, three slot, DH today. Jimenez is uh, in left field. He is going to bat cleanup. You got Jake Lamb at third base. Uh, Moncada getting the day off. Grandal catching. We've got uh, Andrew Vaughn at first base batting seventh. Brian Goodwin is in right field batting eighth. And Larry Garcia is taking Anderson's spot in the ninth uh, slot playing shortstop this afternoon. So uh, a bit of a break for a couple of players. As Jesse said, that was a tough uh, 14-game stretch where the Sox went 7-7, seven and seven, kind of mimicking the playoff atmosphere. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting weekend on the south side for the Crosstown Classic, for sure. Where are you on Mankata these days? Uh, he's starting to come back. I mean, I was really worried this year. We just haven't seen a consistent output for him. But I think that I think that post uh, Field of Dreams game, he, he's starting to catch a gear, which I'm hopeful that he can uh, continue. But he's still not at that level yet, right? You know, where we've seen him before. Yeah, there's no Patrick Wisdom, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, not right now. He's not 32, no, or 31 <laughs> or whatever. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. If, if you could make a trade right now and have Wisdom playing over a third. No. Okay, I'm just asking. No. I just want to see where your confidence level is <laughs> or how much I've been drinking or you've been drinking. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, uh, you obviously are into something I'm not into this morning. No, no. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm all about the uh, the happy uh, stories, the feel goods, and mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Wisdom certainly is for the uh, North Side. But uh, you know what? I don't know. Maybe maybe he can sustain and and be a solid player for them next year. But it's a great story. But how much can you really do? I don't know. I don't know. So they've if, got if, other. They've got other. They've got a lot of other concerns. Okay, it, it, what are your it, your top two? You're Rakan, and you're sitting there. Okay, trade de- deadlines passed, but you are watching this team every day. And sometimes Rakan says he throws the remote across the room when he's folding laundry, so he gets frustrated, just like you do. What what needs to be? Is it more consistent offense? Is it uh, more consistent bullpen? Um, you know, I can think I can I just answer a blanket yes. Yeah. Yes, you could. Because because that's what it is. I mean, those are the glaring yeah. issues, right? I mean, you get you get a game. I mean, toss the seventeen thirteen, but you know there have been some big big games where the offensive output is just awesome, and then we have the bullpen coming in because you know and maybe yeah, a Giolito I'll, I'll just, is at uh, hundred pitches just, plus. Just take it back to Toronto. What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was scary. That was scary. And that shouldn't be happening because, you know, you've got your starter going in and they gave you the best game they can give you Hmm. and you don't want to wear them out. So you have to pull them. You have to have somebody you can go to. And, uh, you know, Tapera, somebody said earlier, you know, Tapera, I think, has really been a rock consistently. I mean, first two appearances for the Sox, not so much, but he got it. He got it together. And I think that that's somebody we can rely on a little more. And then look at what um, 
what um, uh, oh, uh, Reynaldo Lopez did the other day, you know, in that uh, when Keiko got hit for six, runs right out of the bat, Lopez settled him down. We never thought that, <laughs> as I said to Jesse yesterday, thank God Lopez is here to save the day. We never thought we would actually say that. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You think you might not be saying a whole lot moving forward, but for one day, yeah, thank God. Well, yes, yes, and that's a great story too. Uh, Avery's in McHenry uh, wants to talk about the White Sox. Hey, Avery, welcome to ESPN. Hey, boys, how's it going? Good. Hey, I'm uh, I'm listening to what you guys are talking about the Sox, and you know, a question you had not too long ago was, uh, is anyone concerned? Um, obviously it's a little concerning. I mean, we have such a phenomenal pitching staff, but they're not, they're not producing. I mean, Keiko coming up, letting up so many hits. I mean, that's, that's rough to watch, but concerned, not so much. Had this been, uh, September, I'd be very concerned, but we still have about a month until playoffs time to settle down with things. And, uh, yeah, not, not too concerned to bounce back. Well, you know, they call it the dog days of summer for a reason. And uh, Jesse and I were talking. Thanks, Avery, for the call from McHenry. Jesse and I were talking yesterday about, you know, Jesse wrote uh, either. I can't remember if he. Yeah, he wrote the article. Uh, He previewed another article, but he wrote an article for ESPN.com making the case for a shortened season. And I know that's opening a whole other can of worms, but he was saying yesterday how ready he is to go to the playoffs right now yep. and how September could be August right out of the uh, the trade deadline. You've got that one month and then it's go time into the playoffs. And you're and, not battling the NFL. Right. And, and all of those things, right? Yep. And then my obvious questions were, how are they going to recoup that lost income? How are the play, the players union going to be, feel about that? And there's a lot of ancillary questions that have to be answered in a scenario like that. But theoretically, getting to the playoffs quicker and avoiding the dog days and steering away from the NFL, maybe not such a great, uh, uh, a bad, you know, idea. Maybe. No, I I read that and I yeah. thought Jesse's, you know, I know he was being facetious on Twitter that, you know, they put my ideas first because they're best, but there were good ideas throughout <laughs> that ESPN column article. And if you're going to do anything substantially different, now's the time with the CBA expiring after this season. Well, this right? is a very pivotal time. Yes. I mean, it, it would, it, the, the Players Association would have to be on board and it would have to be negotiated. Now, I I don't think the owners have any appetite to, especially Tom Ricketts told you during the pandemic, I guess we're still in it, obviously. Um, but last, last summer he was talking about how they hemorrhage money. They hemorrhage money because they depend on game day revenue more than most teams. Sure. And yeah. Nothing about the neighborhood and selling out the hotel. No, no. Yeah. That, that they put in a billion dollars to buy up. <laughs> right, Wrigleyville, right. right. And yeah. they, the timing was bad because, Oh, no one saw, the Spanish flu coming, uh, the second one after a hundred years, right? Yeah. So yeah. they 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 spent it while they had it, and next thing you know, no one was able to go to the hotel or all the restaurants or anything. So yeah, you're right about the CBA. This is going to be a pivotal year, and there there are a lot of things that have to be considered to advance this game into a new era. And we'll see. Obviously, this is going to be a storyline that's going to last for a long time. We are going to come back and talk to uh, – we'll get Tyler in here and talk about the Bulls. There's some exciting things happening with the Bulls, and we had a very important uh, voice in uh, NBA support that notion about something special is happening with the Bulls. We'll get to that in two minutes. It's Hanley and Xander. This is ESPN 1000.
Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome back in. Mark Zander, Brian Hanley. We're so glad you're with us on ESPN 1000. Check us out on HD2 100.3 and, of course, the ESPN Chicago app. And uh, the Bulls had a very busy offseason, and they didn't uh, they didn't stop after making some of the big splashy moves that caught Charles Barkley's attention. But uh, this is what Charles had to tell Waddle and Sylvie in his always entertaining visit to the afternoon crew right here on ESPN 1000. I think it's fair to say the Chicago Bulls have had the best offseason in the NBA. And I'm not just blowing smoke up you guys because you guys, I'm going to always be a straight shooter with you. Right. I'll be I, – I'll be totally shocked if the Bulls don't make the playoffs. I, I will be because I think they've added enough. Um, they're deep. Uh, but I'm telling you, I thought they had the best offseason of any NBA team. Chuck, how much will will Zach benefit from having a true point guard on the floor in Lonzo Ball? I think it's going to help him immensely. Number one, I think he's probably going to get <laughs> two – two lobs a game from Lonzo, but also, you know, because he, he, he's a scorer. And, 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 that's, and that's not a negative thing. He's not going to pass the ball to other guys to get them going. That's just not his game. So I think having uh, Alonzo with him on the court is going to be a nice addition. Now, they, do, they got to figure out how to play him and DeMar together. Uh, because, listen, they can't send a bunch of those little dudes out there and think they're going to win and just out three-point shooting people. Um, but it's a nice problem to have. Uh, but I do. I thought they had a great offseason. That was Charles Barkley with uh, Waddle and Sylvie. And that was those comments about winning the offseason, Mark, were made even before they sent Larry Markin in, in a three-way deal to Cleveland where they pick up a protected first-round draft pick. But – more importantly, in the uh, near term, is they got a, a pretty good role player in Derek Jones Jr. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is you, people are writing now that the the Bulls have a core with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Not even talking about Lonzo Ball, but he's going to be running your offense, which was a huge issue for them in the last couple of seasons, trying to get mm-hmm. a, a legitimate point guard. But uh, Levine, DeRozan, and... Uh, you know, it's a good start when you got Vucevic because you heard Charles say that he, set, he fully expects them to be a playoff team. Well, when the front office made the deal for Vucevic, they thought they'd be a playoff team this year, Tyler, and, and they weren't. And that was disappointing. And now they've figured out, you know, Larry Markinen's future isn't here. But um, Tyler Aki is an NBA expert and watches this thing very close and, um, should we be as enthusiastic as Charles? I mean, just getting to the playoffs is a step, right? I mean, trying to contend for an Eastern Conference title is probably a few seasons away. But how big a step was this offseason so far? I mean, think about what's been brought in. When have we seen a Bulls front office make this many moves with a commitment to winning, right? Like, we've seen them tell us that they're making moves and commitments to winning. But at the end of the day, they felt more like ticket selling moves. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. of the three alpha moment when they brought mm-hmm. in Dwayne Wade, they brought in Rajon Rondo. This felt like commitment to winning this entire offseason with 
bringing in Lonzo Ball. That is a clear missing piece. This team needs a facilitator, and Ball is definitely going to bring that. I think when you look at DeMar DeRozan, he can do a number of things scoring-wise, and he's going to make life a little bit easier, I think, on on Zach Levine as well. And then this move for Lowry Markkinen, that's one of the other things with this new front office, this new regime. Everything is kept close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Everything sort of comes out of nowhere. I think the only thing that you saw maybe a little inkling of potentially happening was Lonzo Ball coming to the Bulls. Everything else, like the Vooch trade came out of nowhere. I, I was doing, I was filling in on the morning show uh, on the uh, Cap and Jay Hood show that day. And Vucevic's name, I mean, no one even really knew he was on the market. And about 10 minutes before the, the, the word leaked that the Bulls had acquired him, I just saw his name like it was the first time I'd seen a float in trade talk. And I'm like, well, that, that would make sense for the Bulls. But, I mean, I didn't think they were going to get that done by the – they got it done before we got off the air at 10 a.m., right? Right. I mean, it, was, it just it was out done. of nowhere on, on the day Pretty of the impressive. Yeah. And the roster turnover has been a fascinating thing for me to look at, too, because you see who this team or who this new front office is committed to and who they're not committed to. They clearly were not committed – to a Lowry Markkinen. And, yeah. and they went out and they got a very, very solid haul back in return. Now, I, I think the one little wild card in this whole thing is Kobe White. Is he going to be around with the Bulls long term? Because he is dealing with the injury right now, so you really can't trade him in the moment given his medicals. But it'll be interesting to see, is this front office committed to him? Do they view him as maybe a Lou Williams type off the bench because can they can they see him as a scorer off the bench? Or do they not believe in him also? Is this something that are they going to move on from him? Is he next? Tyler, they, is this a wait and see because uh, of the surrounding cast and what that might be for him, Kobe White? I, well, I think it's whenever he's back healthy and, and he's essentially on the market. He's effectively off the market right now. Right. Okay, so and, you're you're, they, you're not they, saying that that would be a wait and see then. It, it's a pretty much when he's back, you think they'll try to move him? Well, we'll see what, what they think because basically by the time he's back on the market, he'll be playing basketball games. So do they see him as a player that can fit with this core, as a good mm-hmm. off-the-bench piece, or do they want to move on from him and see what they can get on the market for him? And how much pressure does do these moves take off of uh, Patrick Beverly? Off of Patrick, Be- what do you mean by that? I mean, I mean, he had a real good summer league. So, oh, Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams, William, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, um, my Patrick stuff together. <laughs> um, morning. Well, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where I'm looking at the front court now for the Bulls, and I think if you look at there's one place where maybe they still might need to add something. You look at the front court. You've got three guys right now who are 6'9 or taller on this team. Usually NBA teams have a lot more than that in in their front courts. When you look at they've got Vooch, who obviously multi-time all-star. Then you got some unknowns. It's Tony Bradley, who's a backup center that you signed this offseason, and then Marco Simonovic. So I'm looking at the front court as still one of those potential question marks, especially from a defensive standpoint. Because even though Vooch can get you the, the 20 and 10 every single night, the 20 and 15 maybe on a, a fair amount of nights as well. What is he, What are they going to do for you defensively? You, you still don't know. There's a lot of unknowns in the front court, I think, with the Bulls. And I think we're going to find out a lot more about Billy Donovan now that you have a legitimate NBA roster to to work with each night, right? I Absolutely. Mean, not, yeah. I mean, we all know he's a very good coach. I'm not saying that. But 
You're asking you're asking Kobe White to run an offense. So I, you didn't do that kid any favors, but you know you're desperate and you put him you know square square uh, round hole square peg didn't work right. But you're going to see Billy Donovan being able to to make a lot more moves within the game and in and the end uh, stages of a game. To you know he talked about trying to win and wanting to win and those being two different things and players having to pay the price and wanting to do the things necessary to win. These guys are all pros. All right. So that's that's a whole different mindset. Tyler, you're right about uh, the front office being willing to actually make meaningful, you know, moves toward a, uh, a championship or, you know, growing towards that and maybe, you know, uh, building a team that's going to last as opposed to those. Oh, here's a name that'll sell some tickets. Yeah, that's I mean, clear. They've built up depth within the organization now at the guard position, especially. I think you saw them certainly address it in the draft. Now, I think some people are out here thinking that Io DeSumo is going to literally come in and solve all the no. Bulls' problems. He listen the way that this team is built right now. I don't know how many minutes there are for an Io DeSumo. That that is going to be a development piece, and I'm really intrigued by the fact that I, I think of what the coaching staff is like. They have Mo Cheeks, and Mo Cheeks has done a really good job at developing some of these longer guards. And Lonzo Ball certainly fits that category. Io's certainly someone who fits that category. And in the past, he was one of the guy, uh, one of the guys that he did develop into a, a very, very good player. Is Shea Gilgis Alexander back when he was with the Thunder? So I'm excited to see what Mo Cheeks can do with some of these uh, young guards that the Bulls have. And, and look, I'm glad Io has the the mindset that he's going to prove that what there aren't 36 better players in, in in the league or in this draft than he is. But I think it's terrific that you know as much as we sit here and debate whether Justin Fields needs to sit and develop and watch, and you know, there's no question in my mind that Io does. Right? I mean, he was good enough to to leave Illinois and and, and get to the NBA and get drafted. But it did get drafted in the second round. And if if he's as good as he thinks he is and believes he is, and again, confidence is a terrific thing, mm-hmm. he'll be fine. And we'll find that out sooner than later. But it's it's better than throwing him in there when he's not totally ready to agree. go. And yeah. listen, I love Io. Great kid. Good player. But he has every single NBA measurable. He's had it since his freshman year. Usually we see guys like that go out after their freshman year, enter mm-hmm. the draft after the freshman year. There's a reason he was there till his junior year. He still needed to grow. He still needed to develop. And hopefully now, because he comes out as a junior, hopefully he has everything established and now and is ready. But he is that much older than all those other guys who are out after their freshman year. And again, surrounded by professionals now instead of a, a dysfunctional Jim Boylan, patchwork, you know, Zach Levine, a bunch of who, what, who's that guy? I mean, you're going to be able to learn from guys like DeMar DeRozan and certainly Zach Levine. And and you're going to be around professionals. I think just that, that, the way everyone's going to approach practice, the fact that Zach Levine and DeRozan have been working out together for the last few weeks, again, it's what Billy Donovan said, wanting to win and doing what's necessary to win instead of just saying we want to win, right? So it's good to see that the leaders of this team are already acting the part. It's an exciting time. It really is uh, for somebody who has kind of sat on the sidelines and watched, uh, you know, the whole Gar Pax thing. And when Tibbs was there, yeah, you know, just kind of being a casual look in here and there. This really seems like this is a uh, a big time for the Bulls and a lot of promise to come. Bulls fans, what do you think? Tyler gave us a lot to talk about there. 312-332-3776. 
We'll uh, open up the phone lines if you have Bears thoughts, uh, Cubs Sox thoughts, but also Bulls thoughts. We're here for you on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000. Mark Sander, Brian Hanley with you for a few more minutes. Thanks for spending time and hanging out with us this morning on ESPN 1000. Uh, we have Sox pregame coming up with the one and only Connor McKnight, C. McKnight. Not CM Punk, but he's our guy. Uh, <laughs> and then we got the uh, Cubs and Sox uh, kicking off top of the hour to wrap up the uh, City Series. And um, Tim Anderson out of the lineup. We talked to Jesse Rogers about that, Mark. Uh, scheduled day off, night day game after night game, but also still some lingering soreness in his legs, which we will yeah. be, we will be, but certainly Tony Larusa and Rick Hahn will be keeping an eye on that as well. And um, uh, Mankata's got the day off as well. Yes, and you're still kind of iffy on Yohan because he's had some off days, even when he's been in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, we we need to see him get back to where he was consistently. And that was really pre-COVID, and I hate to think that there's still some lingering issues. I mean, we've certainly not he- heard that. That that is just purely speculation on on my part, and I'm not sure that that is the case. But it's not been the same guy. But you know, look, if he's going to catch a gear in late uh, late August, early September, I'm fine with that as long as he keeps it going through the playoffs. Hey, uh, do yourself a favor, too, Mark. You might want to head out here today. Chris Black will be out at Hollywood Aurora Casino from 1 o'clock till 4, watching some White Sox, I'm sure. Get a chance for uh, to win Sox tickets with Chris. And, of course, you want to take advantage of that wagering line. Uh, Sox heavy favorites with Dylan Cease going against old teammate uh, Kyle Hendricks. Um, so a lot of fun out at Hollywood Casino, Hollywood Aurora, because Chris Black is the idea. His middle name is fun, right? So... That's what uh, we, I understand. We had uh, we had some Twitter polls and your rock poll. Let's start with the rock poll because, as you said, Charlie Watts passed away. He is yeah. rock and roll royalty, as is the Rolling Stones. <laughs> certainly, certainly is passed away. I think it was Tuesday at the age of 80. So uh, we were asking you on the Twitter poll at ESPN 1000, what was the strongest decade for the Rolling Stones as far as you're concerned? The 60s, the 70s, the 80s? or 90s and beyond. And uh, Tyler, how did that shake out? I know 90s and beyond is not going to come in one, two, or three. You are correct on that yeah. front. Uh, which one do you think is the winner, Xander? Uh, you know, I, I, I want to... St- <laughs> That's really tough. You, you, I, I, I know you said 1969 to 81. I, you can't yeah, do yeah, that. I want to say the 70s, but it could be 50-50 between the 60s and 70s. Well, the bulk of your window... From 69 to 81, we'll say 70s. Yep. It is 70s. Okay. And a pretty overwhelming majority, 57%, 26% right, like on. the 60s, uh, I voted 12% 70s matters, yeah. at 80s, and then 4% 90s. Now, in general terms, if uh, if you didn't like the 80s, and not just the music, I love the music of the 80s, but if you didn't like the 80s themselves, as a friend of mine said, you didn't do it right. And No, were, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, if, if you're a certain age, just getting out of college, the 80s was your decade, which it I was think, a participa- participatory sport. The 80s. And I, I, I participate to the point where I don't remember half the 80s. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, well, damn it, then you did it right. I mean, I did, I did it the right. same I, thing. Showing yeah, up's half the thing. battle. That's, what <laughs> That's right. Uh, we also had uh, a Bears Twitter poll question Would you want to see Justin Fields at such a cost that Andy Dalton has to fail so you see him sooner than later? Yes or no? 
Only 35% want to see Andy Dalton fail if it means that Justin Fields can start soon. Okay, so those are surprised by that. Just win, baby. Yeah, you know, again, winning fixes everything. Yeah, so Bears fans are like, if you're rooting against Andy Dalton, you're rooting against the Bears and don't even show up at Soldier Field. That's what I just heard, right? That's that's basically the uh, sentiment, I think. Wait, so you can chant, we want Justin in the privacy of your own living room. Um, <laughs> right, like you did. I do, and I'll do it again. I'll just do it today, just for fun. And <laughs> finally, uh, we had the uh, White Sox Twitter poll question, because we've seen a little, uh, it's been a little bumpy these last uh, 500, two weeks or so. Um, right now, if the playoffs started today, how far would uh, said Chicago White Sox team go? Uh, would they be a World Series participant, an ALCS participant, or would they be the old early out of the postseason, Tyler? Dead even right Ooh. now. Wow. wow. I don't think we've had Total one of finish. these in the, the from this time slot. Um, but ALCS and early out, each with 40.3% of the vote right now. Whoa. Less that's, than 20% think World Series. Wow. wow, that's crazy. That's you're harsh in my mellow with the uh <laughs> with the World Series talk. I mean, really? I mean, I'm not I'm not yeah, if you're looking this objectively, I guess you'd have to go one or the other two. But early out gets the same number of votes as winning the AL pennant. We got hmm. some nervous fans, Brian. Yeah, and you know, you know how you cure that? You go out there and start kicking it into gear. And I know you're trying to rest up people like TA and Get them healthy and all that, but you can do you can multitask, right? I uh, this okay. The tough stretch is over or, or nearing that. You go back to to winning some games without making nine nine to one games into nine to seven games or whatever it was. Right, right, yeah. And the, and the Lance Lynn thing last night. You know, Dude, every don't do that. Everybody's going to have a bad game, and uh, you know it's going to happen. Uh, you know, we don't. We don't see this. Uh, I, I certainly don't see this as a trend that's going to continue. And and I read a quote somewhere, and I don't have it in front of me, but basically he said, and this is what we love about Lance on the south side. He said, "Look, I sucked. I'm going to go back out there next time and not suck." Right. Okay. Well, so that's good. when that's Dallas Keuchel says he sucks. You don't believe he's not going to go out there and suck again. So. Well, we hope for the best, but we don't know. Do yeah, we? but we are realistic in our Dallas Keuchel yeah. expectations at this point. Um, he'll get good tickets for the playoffs. So that'll yeah, be he's, yeah. He'll still be in the dugout yeah. for the bullpen. Well, well Brian, it was fun to uh, hang out with you again on a uh, Sunday. We've got Connor McKnight and the White Sox baseball pregame show uh, coming up here. And then it's uh, Cubs and Sox on the south side. Game three of the Crosstown Classic, second edition for this season. We'll do it again next Sunday. Uh, look forward to it, Mark. Tyler, yep. thank you so much for all yeah, your thanks, effort. Tyler. We want Justin. We want Justin. <laughs> I'll see you later. Okay.